0: Today on Locked on Dolphins, we are celebrating the history of the Miami Dolphins by looking at each offensive position and identifying what that Mount Rushmore of Miami Dolphins players should look like in this stage of the Dolphins history.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day. Here on the Locked On Network today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. And today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to Faster post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Special shout out to our everydayers who are plugged in with us on a daily basis because it is your team every day here on the Lock On Network. So for those of us who are stateside, this week is celebrating. Uh, the history of the U.S. with July 4th coming up tomorrow, so I figured why not also celebrate the history of the Dolphins by looking back at the full spectrum of players who have played for the Miami Dolphins across what it's almost seven, eighty years. Don't ask me to do that; it's <laughs> out my head. Uh, late 60s, carry the five, sixty, seventy. Yeah. It's been a while that the Dolphins have been playing football. They enjoyed early success winning Super Bowl 7 and Super Bowl 8, one of the most winning franchises in the history of the NFL. And here and now, the Dolphins are um, looking to add to their history with what they are bringing to the table uh, this upcoming season in 2023, a highly competitive window expected. But you know Mount Rushmore, it's four faces on a wall. And if you were to say, okay, who are the Mount Rushmore of Miami Dolphins quarterbacks? Who is the Mount, Run- Mount Rushmore of Miami Dolphins running backs? Who are the Mount Rushmore candidates for wide receiver? That's what we're going to go over today. And I have to acknowledge uh, that the foundation of this work that was done for me, was done actually a few years ago when I was writing for USA Today's Dolphins Wire. And it was the 100th season of NFL play, 100 years of the NFL. And I was charged with a story that looked at the top 100 players in Miami Dolphins history. And I consider myself a diehard Miami Dolphins fan, obviously. Uh, It's my job to know this team. But I was born in 89, right? Right. So um, there was a lot of foundational research done for that in going back over older versions of the team and the successes that the Dolphins had. And um, you try to get some historical accounts from those who witnessed firsthand those early seasons when I was in negative years. And uh, it it was very helpful for this exercise, but it didn't resolve all my problems. Because for as rich as the history is, some positions, like the quarterback position, are dominated by two players. So let's start with the quarterback position. And we'll do quarterbacks, running backs, slash ball carriers, uh, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen today on the show. We'll do the defensive side of the Baltimore. You have first ballot Hall of Famer Dan Marino. Three All-Pros and nine Pro Bowls across the course of that illustrious career from 1983 to 1999. 242 games played. And when you think about the history of the Dolphins from, what was it, 66? It's actually the, the cruel irony, if you're watching on YouTube, is the established year. When I was sitting here trying to do math, it's, it's right over my shoulder. established 1966 or in 2023. Right? So you're you're almost at 60 years. Almost at 60 years. Marino played effectively a third of every Dolphin season that's ever been played was played by Dan Marino. And then you have Bob Greasy, who's another Pro Football Hall of Famer, with 161 starts. So those two guys combined, it's over 400 games played as members of the Miami Dolphins. What do you get behind that? That's where I think a Mount Rushmore of identifying your four pieces uh, is so challenging because obviously Dan is Dan. Dan's the greatest pocket passer in the history of the NFL. Bob Greasy uh, was the commandeer of that early Dolphin seventies franchise. Now it's worth acknowledging the 72 season. He only played in five games, uh, there was some critical contributions from guys like Earl Morrill, who was a uh, honorable mention for me. Uh, Jay Fiedler was an honorable mention for me. In the immediate aftermath of the Dan Marino era, some winning teams, statistically speaking, it wasn't consistently good, but he was a winner. David Woodley, uh, with a part of the part of the combination of the Woodstock combination in the '80s, that that was another short list candidate for me. Ryan Tannehill goes on this list. Uh, for his passing marks. uh, He's third in effectively everything. Uh, Didn't make any Pro Bowls, didn't make any All-Pros. Don't think he's tracking as a Hall of Famer, but he started 88 games as a member of the Dolphins. Your fourth spot, already kind of acknowledged, like Earl Morrill, Jay Fiedler, David Woodley, those are honorable mentions in the Dolphins' lexicon of history. You could look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you wanted to. You could look at Chad Pennington if you wanted to. Uh, It's kind of a who's who collection of um, short-term answers at the position unless you come to the modern time. And as we went over not that long ago, uh, Tua Tonga-Valoa is pretty much in the top five of every major passing statistic in the history of the Dolphins organization. And he put a season together last year when he was on the football field Uh, that we have not seen from a passing efficiency standpoint since Dan Marino. I'm putting two on the list because those numbers are only going to get bigger. Right, He's going to play this year. Uh, He's only started 36 games, but his passing marks in Dolphins franchise history are uh, top five in every major statistic. It's a testament to the longevity of your two Hall of Fame quarterbacks your organization has. It's a testament to what you haven't been able to find that two after just three seasons and one effectively one very impactful season as a starting quarterback um, is, is worthy of a spot in the top four, but I'd be willing to put two on the list as an active player. I think so for me, Dan Marino, Bob Greasy, Ryan Tannehill, Tua Tonga Valoa, as things currently stand, those would be my choices for what the Dolphins Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks looks like right now. And that is in part, in anticipation of, of another season that looks to some degree similar, maybe not as prolific or as efficient from a, a per pass attempt standpoint uh, for Tui to below this upcoming season with guys like Earl Morrill, Jay Feeler, David Woodley. If I was going to pick a fourth, it, it'd probably be uh, Chad Pennington, as your honorable mentions. Two Hall of Famers out of that four, though. Your backs, Uh, this one was a little bit more cut and dry for me. Uh, I didn't feel like you were so limited on options once you got past the top of the top. Now, the top of the top is Ricky Williams and Larry Sanka, right? I mean, those two guys, Ricky went on to have over 10,000 career rushing yards in his career. Some of that did not come with Miami. Larry Sanka played in 106 games, two All-Pros, five Pro Bowls with the Dolphins specifically. Um, And it would have been even better if, kind of the heart of his career wasn't interrupted um, by him leaving the Dolphins uh, before coming back for a triumphant return. So Sanka Ricky Williams, another player who was super prolific early on in his career as a member of the Dolphins. He played in 93 games as a member of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, He was a one-time all pro and pro bowler with Miami, but uh, you know, you can't, you can't help but sit there and wonder what if, with Ricky and and the interruptions and the time that he needed to take away from the game for himself, which it ends up working out extremely well for Ricky, where he comes back and has the redemption story and finishes with over 10,000 career rushing yards, which I think is a great mark for him and redeemed himself in my mind for a lot of dolphins fans before playing his last year with the team in 2010. The other two spots, Mercury Morris is on this list for me, played 86 games, made three pro bowls as a member of the dolphins Uh, Jim kick is a honorable mention. Tony Nathan uh, was a name that I wanted to give a little bit of love to. He's another honorable mention, super long time uh, complimentary player, kind of a glue guy, but Ronnie Brown got my last spot. Uh, And obviously Ronnie with where he was drafted for the team, maybe didn't live up to what our hopes and expectations were, but in the grand scheme of dolphins rushing history, Uh, he's still very high up on that lexicon of of players. And he was somebody who uh, played a critical role in uh, kind of a historic chapter of the Dolphins offensively with the Wildcat offense and him being the trigger man of that. Uh, But his 4,815 rushing yards is third all time. It's actually just in front of, of... Mercury Morris is 3877 while playing Ronnie in 10 less games than Mercury Morris. So I think that's a pretty clear separation. Uh, Jim Kick was there for an extended period of time but rushed for 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, obviously, he was a part of the three-headed monster with Sanka and Mercury Morris. Uh, Tony Nathan, kind of a do-it-all type player who had – almost 400 career receptions, right? So he's he's a little bit more of a utility player. And then I would also give a nod to Lamar Miller, believe it or not. There was a stretch where I think a lot of Dolphins fans wanted to see more of Lamar Miller. He was only on the team from 2012 to 2015 for 61 games, but uh, his 29-30 rushing yards is eighth all-time in Dolphins franchise history. And the only other guys that we didn't mention besides the four that were on and the two other honorable mentions is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, who was with the team from 96 to 99 and averaged under 3.5 yards per carry. So I would put Lamar Miller as the eighth all-time leading rusher in front of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the honorable mentions. So you get Dan Marino, Bob Greasy, Ryan Tannehill, Tua Tonga Valoa as your Mount Rushmore of Dolphins quarterbacks based on the history of the team at this chapter. And then Ricky Williams, Larry Sanka, Mercury Morris, and Ronnie Brown as your honorable mentions for the running back position. We're going to go to wide receiver next, uh, which was another challenging one to, to kind of sort through here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. But first, I have to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every potential new hire feels like a high stakes wager against your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in a purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you and your business are hiring. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the right candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash nfl that's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: So let's go to receivers. There's a no-brainer at the top and it's Stuper and Clayton, duh, right? Uh, the guys have have uh eye-popping numbers and they actually have Uh, Quite a bit of hardware to back it up between the the two of them. They had eight Pro Bowls between the two of them. And they played 146 and 142 games, respectively, Duper and Clayton. As the franchise leaders, Duper, 88-69 in receiving yards and 86-43 for Duper. Or excuse me, for Clayton. Clayton, 81 receiving touchdowns is the franchise mark. Phenomenal numbers, right? That It was the identity of that team as a part of every offensive mark that the Dolphins scorched earth in 84 and all of the subsequent offensive success that they had with Damarino, Duper and Clayton were the guys. And they had longevity. You know, obviously 288 games played between them is fantastic numbers for guys who are not big guys in a much more physical chapter and era of the league. I don't think you should gloss over what they were able to accomplish in any capacity. Now, where you go from here, I think you do have to acknowledge your hall of fame wide receiver and Paul Warfield, who was with the team for five years, played in 60 games, was a three-time all pro and went to five Pro Bowls. Warfield's got to be on the list, right? That hall of fame hardware certainly makes it difficult to gloss over Um, him. Now the third leading receiver in dolphins franchise history is Nat Moore with over 7,500 yards. Here's where I had a hard time with Nat Moore. He came in in 74. He was a one-time all pro led the league in touchdowns in 1977. That was his all pro season. Never had a thousand yards. And I get it. The seventies and the eighties, he played from 74 to 86. It was kind of a different time, right? And by the time the dolphins offense became what we all remember Dan Marino for being, he was at best the third receiver with Duper and Clayton already on the roster. But he also only had a 800 receiving yards once in his franchise history. He just had the benefit of longevity. He played in 183 games as a member of the Miami Dolphins, 183. Is that enough to put you at the top of this list. I was inclined to think so until I really sat down and fully appreciated the season that Tyreek Hill put together this year. Well, my other honorable mentions, OJ McDuffie. Um, I think Jalen Waddell is on track to be on this list eventually as well. But from a receiving perspective, it's Duper Clayton, Natmore, Chris Chambers, OJ McDuffie, top five. none of them put together a season like Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is under contract with this team for several more seasons. I fully expect he's going to continue to, maybe not at the extreme pace that he is, or that he did last year. But he's he's 40% of the way to a top five receiving yardage mark in franchise history right now. If he manages to do what he did again last season, he's in the top 12 in franchise history in two seasons. Just really difficult to quantify the volume of yardage that Tyreek Hill put on the field last year. And I think that all pro season, pro bowl, all pro season, he is a future Hall of Famer. He's going to add to his Hall of Fame resume as a member of the Miami Dolphins. I'd put Tyreek Hill on after one season. I would. Now, my my honorable mentions, as I mentioned, Nat Moore, Chris Chambers, O.J. McDuffie, Jalen Waddle. Honorable mentions. And it's cool to see Waddle on that that honorable mentions list because he is himself already in the top 25 in receiving marks and, and have to think that the 1,000-yard seasons are going to continue to come for him. We did that research a few weeks ago and can fully appreciate just how well it bodes for the receiving production he put up his first two seasons. And historically, those guys put up 1,300, 1,400 yards year over year for for an extended stretch. So if that comes for Jalen Waddell, we're gonna be pushing either Duper or Clayton or a Hall of a first ballot Hall of Fame receiver off this list eventually, because Tyreek Kill's already on in my mind. Dolphins a little bit spoiled in, in that regard, just like they were spoiled with quarterbacks with Marino and greasy. I I can't help, but feel like between what you had with Dupre and Clayton for almost 10 years and what you now have with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle, um, you have some really nice duos. <laughs> you have some really nice, rich history from a passing offense perspective, but tight end was not easy in any capacity. Um, there are no Pro Football Hall of Famers here. The guys that made the cut, there's one Pro Bowl and one All Pro season between the four of them combined. It's pretty lean at the tight end position. Now, uh, the the first name that gets a nod is Bruce Hardy because he played 151 games. Uh, Bruce Hardy, uh, maybe not your most household name in the history of the Dolphins, but he was here for more than a decade. He caught 256 passes. He's 21st all-time in receiving yards history for the Miami Dolphins. Now, he does not have the tight end receiving record. That goes to Randy McMichael, uh, who played with the team from 02 to 06, 80 games played. He's also on the Dolphins' Mount Rushmore of tight ends. Your receiving leader has to be on the list. Your longevity player, who's also top 25 receiving uh, Mark, and the history of the organization, has to make the list. You know Jim Mandich is on this list. That's my third name. 109 games played for Jim Mandich. So Bruce Hardy, Randy McMichael, and Jim Mandich. Last spot was hard. You go with Mike Isecki, who is top 20 in receiving production, but was a player who kind of went out with a whimper, if you will, last season. Do you go with uh, the player who had... The only all pro and pro bowl of any of the names that I've just mentioned, which is ultimately what I ended up doing, because I do think those accolades um, should not be completely overlooked. And that's Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson, of course, uh, was a three time all pro, five time pro bowler, uh, played with Green Bay, Philadelphia and Miami, played three seasons with the Dolphins. Played in 44 games, caught 146 passes. He peaked with 59 receptions for 673 yards and seven touchdowns. He caught 13 touchdowns in his last two seasons with Miami, a total of 18 touchdowns in three seasons, 92, 93, 94. I got to go with the accolades and that level of receiving output. Uh, Your honorable mentions, Mike Kisecki. Another couple names that modern-day Dolphins fans will recognize, Charles Clay and Anthony Fasano. Tight end, definitely the most challenging one, just because we didn't really have a lot of legacy to lean into. But um, Dan Marino, Bob Greasy, Ryan Tannehill, Tua tongue at quarterback, Ricky Williams, Larry Sanka, Mercury Morrison, Ronnie Brown at running back, Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, Paul Warfield, and Tyreek Hill at wide receiver, Bruce Hardy, Keith Jackson, Jim Mandich, and Randy McMichael at tight end, which brings us to our offensive lineman. That's where we're going to finish here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins.
1: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: This one was hard for a whole different reason. Uh, The the Dolphins have a monstrous amount of heritage on the offensive line. Uh, You have Pro Football Hall of Famers extensively. You have nearly as many pro football Hall of Famers on the offensive line as you do of all the other positions that we have combined. It's like that. So when you're trying to wrap your head around who goes on this list and who doesn't, uh, I I certainly think it extends to some degree beyond um, time with the team, your peak of play, because obviously with the, the amount of pro football Hall of Famers, how... How efficient was your legacy with the team? And the first name that goes on this list is, is Dwight Stevenson, uh, who was uh, the team captain, had his career sh- cut short uh, with an injury. Um, 87 was the last time he played, played nine games in 87. But uh, at his peak, he had four consecutive first-team All-Pros and five consecutive Pro Bowls to end his career before that injury ended his career with an injury against the Jets uh, played from 80 to 87, 114 games started 87 on his first two games. He only started five games. And then the strike shortened season in 82, he started all nine games. And from that point on, from the time Dan Marino stepped behind him to the time he played his last snap, he's the best offensive lineman in football. And you go four for four, your last four years with all pro and five for five, your last five years, in Pro Bowls and oh, by the way, that that fifth season in '83, uh, he was second team All Pro as well. So you played eight seasons, had five Pro Bowls, four All Pros, and and technically five All Pros if you include second team. With the reputation that Dwight Stevenson had, you go ahead, you put that man down on the list. No questions asked, as a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Larry Little uh, was the next offensive lineman that I decided to give some flowers to. He was. Here's how good Larry Little was. Uh, He was eighth in the MVP voting in 1972. Eighth as a guard. So Larry played 12 years with the Dolphins, 159 games, 152 starts. Uh, He was a five time All Pro, five time Pro Bowler with the Dolphins. Those Pro Bowls ranged from 69 through 74 and then somehow he's first team all pro in 75 doesn't make a pro bowl. And then in 77 and 78, he's second team all pro. So those five team, those five all pros don't even include second team, all pros, uh, which he had several more of as well at his disposal. So uh, little, one of the key identity pieces of that Dolphins offensive line that was such a juggernaut in the seventies and running teams over 159 games to go with it that's enough as a pro football hall of famer to make yourself on this list. Jim Langer, uh, yet another persistent hall of fame presence on that offensive line from the seventies is on this list. Uh, There are some non seventies offensive linemen that deserves a lot of flowers. Uh, So some of the um, honorable mentions that I gave out included Tim Ruddy, obviously the center with the team in the nineties. Another one of the, Guys who got some love was there in the 70s with the Dolphins, but really his peak as a player came in the 80s across that 80, 82 Super Bowl season, the 84 Super Bowl season. Uh, And that was Ed Newman, uh, another guard. And and it's really fun looking at these historical biographies and seeing 245 pounds, 250 pounds, and you're playing guard and, and making the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is what these guys were able to do. Um, Langer though, played 10 seasons in Miami, 129 games, 109 starts and had a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive seasons with a pro bowl and had three first team all pros in there and two more second team all pros in there. The last name on the list, it's not Bob Kuchenberg. It's not Tim Ruddy. It's not Ed Newman. It's Richmond Webb. I put Richmond Webb on my pro football Miami Dolphins offensive lineman uh, Mount Rushmore. Richmond Webb was on the all-1990s team, seven consecutive Pro Bowls. He played 11 years in Miami, 164 games, 163 starts. He missed like seven snaps or something like that his time with Miami uh, until his last season or not his last season until what was it? 98 was the year that he got injured, Uh, but had a crazy stretch run Uh, AP fourth place in offensive rookie of the year. His rookie season in 1990 started all 16 games and made the pro bowl. His first seven years in the NFL twice was a first team, all pro player. Two more times with second-team All-Pro. And Richmond Webb's kind of the guy that right now Dolphins fans have turned their attention to to kind of drum up some Pro Football Hall of Fame buzz for after the Zach Thomas push came through this year. But you look at, at Richmond Webb, and he's got more Pro Bowls than every other offensive lineman on this list that made the Dolphins Rushmore. that was a Hall of Famer. That would be, I think, your, your case and your argument. He had longevity. He had greatness. He was highly impactful. He had some wars with Bruce Smith and was one of the best offensive tackles in the game for the second half of Dan Marino's career, effectively a full decade playing with Dan Marino. So, I put Richmond on. That's our offensive Mount Rushmore's. If you had to whittle the offensive list down to just have a four on the offensive side of the ball, for me, it's, it's probably Dan Marino and Bob Greasy, the White Stevenson, and Larry Sanka, I think would be my pick. I would love to hear from you guys. Would love to hear who you think got snuffed, who I didn't give an honorable mention to, who should have been on over somebody else on the list. Let me know. Uh, You can leave comments on the YouTube channel. You can tweet at me at grinding the tape. Um, But would love to hear from you guys throughout the course of this exercise, because it is a, a really fun opportunity to look back and appreciate the history that this organization does have. And I look back and appreciate all of you for making Locked On Dolphins a part of your day. Hope that you'll come back and hit subscribe. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. So be an everyday or be somebody who is plugged in with us as we take this journey through the offseason to the start of training camp. At the end of this month, already, it's upon us. So get excited. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, and I'm out of here. Make it a great day. I'll talk to you all again tomorrow.